Triple Whale has just launched a simple finance platform called FinHub, and I'm already loving it. One simple dashboard for all the tools and accounts you're already using, so you can gain clarity with your consolidated data, your real-time cash flow, your accrual P&Ls. It's designed to help those brands that are built on Shopify to operate smarter. So go over to triplewhale.com and check it out. Look at companies that have a similar profile to yours, see who the investors are in those similar companies, and then go out and do, you know, outreach to those investors. Welcome back to Pit Stop. Joining me in the garage today is Andrew Cluck. We are going to be talking about various forms of capital, starting with friends and family, going into sort of the newer tools and vehicles that you might have heard of, like rolling funds. But let's start it first by welcoming Andrew to the garage. Andrew, your background is in economics and Brandeis. You've got entrepreneurial parents and grandparents, so you're you're probably like me that you grew up with this. You had one of the largest digital marketing agencies, which turned into a lot of angel invest, investing, and now you've got your own rolling fund. Andrew, thank you so much and welcome to Pit Stop. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. My pleasure. Well, let's get into it. The first thing that you mentioned when we were going over our show notes for for raising from family and friends, which is something that you hear so often of people were able to borrow a little, a little bit of money, their initial network was who made that investment. But it's also, if you're able to go out and ask friends and family for $10,000, $50,000, a million dollars, you're in a pretty comfortable and quite frankly, luxurious spot. And not everyone has that option, which I think was just really smart for you to acknowledge and address. So let's talk about raising money from family and friends early on. Yeah, of course. Like you said, like friends and family is something that is investors and, you know, well-meaning investors say, okay, you know, this is a little early, release some friends and family. And that's just not an option for a lot of people, right? Their network doesn't have the net worth or liquid net worth to be able to invest into, into startups, or maybe they're not comfortable going to their network. Whatever the case is, you have to start from a place of acknowledging that and then look for other opportunities if you're not ready for that, you know, quote unquote, institutional round of capital. You know, when you look at other options, right, so you have the friends and family, you have the the bootstrapping method, which is take a little bit of your own capital, could be very, very little, and then put it into the business. And some people might be able to do to do that and then start getting paying customers. And I think that's one that's a little bit, you know, undersold in the VC realm is if you have an idea on you have a product and you can you could potentially even pre-sell it, whether it's a physical product, whether it's software, you see a lot of companies especially in like the SaaS space and consumer SaaS space, what a lot of them will do is they'll, they'll pre-sell these lifetime licenses, right? So typically the software might cost in this prosumer space, right? So not consumer, not, not professional use, kind of like that in-between space. It could cost like $99 a year or $199 a year, and they'll sell a lifetime license for $500. You sell 10 of those, you know, you're now at five grand of revenue before you even have to go out and start building the product. And so those are the places where just trying to think and be creative in terms of other ways that you can get capital to build the business before you kind of really can go out and raise that, you know, institutional round. Accelerators is another great option. There's good accelerators, there's bad accelerators, um, just like there's good investors and bad investors out there. But there are a ton and more and more cropping up every day that are really trying to be super early and enable you to take some money, get some services potentially as well, and then also 
work with you over anywhere from three to nine months a year and get you ready for that next stage. You know, there's obviously Y Combinator, there's Techstars, there's XRC in New York. There's a bunch of really great accelerators out there. So look to those as well. And I would say 99% of the listeners are e-commerce founders and and operators. What about for the direct consumer entrepreneurs? What are some of those vessels for them? I think pre-sale is a really interesting one. If you can prototype something and, and sell an early version of it and get some sales and some revenue and prove out the model of, hey, we really were able to sell this for this price. Whether you actually, you know, go and deliver it or not, you know, whether it's pre-sale and then you go and manufacture it after the fact or you are actually live selling it. You know, to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of like the Kickstarter Indiegogos of the world, although there are plenty of people who do a great job of that. Now they can go out and raise capital and institutional capital after the fact. So that's, you know, another option for you if you have a really differentiated product, if you have a really good understanding of those channels, it's a way to, again, pre-sell. When it comes to finding potential angel investors, what's the, the best channel, the best network to hit up? It's a great question. I think there's a lot of different ways to do this. I always am a big fan of like leaning into the best version of yourself. For some people that's, you know, they're really active on LinkedIn and they have a big network there and they could start talking about their brand and their product there and, and see if they can connect with investors through LinkedIn. A lot of investors are on Twitter, definitely a place you want to be. AngelList is a great directory of investors. Crunchbase, you can go in, you can look at companies that are you know similar to yours in terms of CPG or D2C space. Look at companies that have a similar profile to yours, see who the investors are in those similar companies, and then go out and do you know outreach to those investors. A little bit of a disclaimer here, you, you can't publicly solicit, but what are some, some ways to maybe be working in public or draw some attention to the fact that you are looking to raise a small amount of capital? And what would count as a solicitation? So could I post to my LinkedIn, hey, I'm looking to raise capital. If you're an investor, DM me. Would that be allowed? Yeah. I mean, the rules here, again, are tricky and it depends how you do it. There are ways where you can publicly solicit, right? For example, uh, I know we'll get to it later, but with rolling funds, if you raise via like a 506C, you can actually publicly solicit, which is what I've done for my rolling fund. And there are ways to do that as a, as a founder raising capital too. But there are also ways to do it that are in the gray area in terms of exactly like you said, building in public. Can you talk about your product? Can you talk about your launch process? Can you talk about any early traction you have? Can you drop some hints around, you know, looking for feedback on my deck? The joke is, you know, on LinkedIn, you can go ahead and change your profile on LinkedIn or your bio on Twitter to stealth or working on something new. You know, you'll have a bunch of investors slide into your DMs. There's a few different ways you can do it. Again, I think you got to lean into the best version of yourself. If you are someone who's good and capable of creating hype and you have a strong network talking about building in public and you've done that before and had success doing it or you feel comfortable doing it, it's something you, you definitely can do. And, you know, the challenge is you got to make sure that you're a little bit of that FOMO or a little bit of that excitement around whatever your KPIs are. If you're building to a public launch, the numbers are going up and to the right. If you're building a product and you're maybe showing some behind the scenes photos and videos of it and, and what the process is like and then looking to build out a way for people to give you feedback. The old joke is, you know, if you ask for feedback, you'll get, you know, offers for funding. And if you ask for funding, you'll get offers for feedback. Work that backwards. If you're looking for funding, you can kind of ask for feedback. You know, XYZ investor is willing to give me feedback on this product about to go launch or about to go raise or whatever the case is. 
when should an e-commerce brand start looking at venture capital? I know that they want that asymmetric upside. They want to be a $100 million to $10 billion company one day. When should direct-to-consumer brands start looking at raising that type of capital versus it being more of a distraction? I've invested in direct-to-consumer companies before they were launched, before there was even a product. I'm an early investor in Caraway, uh, the kitchenware brands. I invested in Cadence, which is a travel pod for your consumer care items. So your makeup, your sunscreen, your medicine, all fits into these little magnetic pods that you can connect to one another. They're made from ocean-bound recycled plastic. Also pre-product, pre-launch, playing with the prototype. You definitely can find investors who are willing to invest early. I wasn't the only one in, in those rounds. Those rounds had plenty of other great investors. So you kind of need to decide, are you, are you on that path or are you on a different path, right? And once you get on the treadmill, it's very hard to get off the venture funding treadmill. So it's not a decision to be made lightly. If you are building something in a space where you feel that the product is very differentiated, where you really feel that you are going to be able to build this massive, massive brand, again, talking a billion dollar company in the space, then I think that's when you can start going and thinking about venture capital. You know, for me, one of the lenses that I look at on the D2C side is can this company do $50 million a year in revenue direct? Meaning, can they do $50 million just from their own website before layering on Amazon, before layering on selling through third party and selling in retail and everything else? So that's just me personally, just because that's where my experience and background is. There's plenty of other people who are focused on companies that start D2C, but are really going to make most of their revenue from retail and, and retail distribution. So there's no like right or wrong answer here. It's just about which lifestyle you are you going after and kind of being realistic around the prospects for the business and the prospects for yourself in terms of what are you capable of building? How big is the market that you're building in? How differentiated is the product? What are the capital needs going to be? Because there are plenty of people who are running nice, like really nice e-commerce businesses, seven, eight, nine-figure e-commerce businesses and putting really, really big six, seven, eight-figure checks into their pocket every year just based on profit. I mean, I know two personally, I mean, these are founders that started a longer time ago, but neither one venture back and they're both doing nine figures a year in revenue, almost exclusively from their site directly. They're both wildly profitable after COGS, after CAC, after paying everyone. And they make a ton of money. They're growing steadily year over year. And you know what? They're going to make a lot more than a lot of founders that raise big splashy rounds of capital. And they're still own, in these cases, close to 100% of their businesses. And then in terms of other forms of capital, so the VC treadmill of just constantly taking uh, money until exit of, of some way, maybe you get started with 500 bucks from your friends and family. In between, there are things like cash advances, rolling funds, crowdfunding, etc. What are some of the, the tools to look into between getting on that VC hamster wheel? I think you mentioned a few of them, but I'll, I'll go through it a little bit more detail. There's obviously one of the big ones is ClearCo. ClearBank it used to be called ClearBank and they'll finance your, you know, your digital marketing spend, basically. They're not the only ones who will do that. There's, there's a few companies who will do that. But, you know, if you're growing steadily and you're finding that your CAC is an okay place relative to your LTV, but it takes six, nine months for that LTV to really you know, kind of hit home as people place their second, third orders and are on subscription or whatever the case may be, or you have a lot of money, but you're putting a lot of your working capital into inventory, 
then an option like ClearCo could be a great opportunity where they'll extend you anywhere from five to 500K. I've seen a month in working capital to pay for the ads, knowing that they can see the ad performance, see the revenue that's coming in and take, you know, take some off the top. Shopify Capital does a very similar thing. So Shopify has this. They've rolled it out to, I think, all U.S. states at this point. I know that sometimes some of these things are on a state-by-state basis. So maybe not everyone is eligible, but you could be eligible for Shopify Capital on a macroeconomic level. There's nowhere else for people to put their capital that's getting a lot of yield. So there's a lot of capital out there going to venture, going to a lot of different things. But one of the places it's going is into these lending businesses. So it's actually a great thing for entrepreneurs who want or need this capital. Awesome. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate you swinging by to talk about some of the different tools that e-commerce brands and operators can use. Where can people find you if they want to learn a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Um, you could always find me on, on Twitter at IrreverentVC, I-R-R-V-R-N-T-V-C. Um, and you could always you know email me. I'm at Andrew at IrreverentDiet.io. Um, and you could also submit a form if you're looking for funding on my website. I respond to all cold inbounds, um, whether it's email or, or, or DMs on Twitter within 24 to 48 hours. And yeah, please reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much much for joining me that's a wrap make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast You can't control the route your boat takes from overseas to bring your products to your 3PL to get picked, packed, and shipped. But you can choose your 3PL and you can choose ShipBob. Joining over 5,000 other merchants who have joined their global fulfillment network and over a 99.5% accuracy rate when they fulfill orders. Don't leave your logistics to chance. Head over to ShipBob.com to learn a little bit more. Triple Whale is doing some amazing things nowadays. They're developing just a huge range of tools to help your brand stay informed and scale. And Whale Mail is where you can get all these details. So head over to triplewhale.com and sign up today.